0: it's Burke Steeler fans welcome back to another episode of let's ride your monday wednesday and friday morning podcast right here on the steel curtain network which is a part of fans for sports network thank you for taking the time and Checking me out on Friday, we are getting ready for this special Saturday game, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Indianapolis Colts, Week 15, 4.30 kickoff. So make sure you set your calendars accordingly. That's obviously Eastern Standard Time, or Pittsburgh Time, as we call it. Lots to talk about in this game. We are going to go behind enemy lines. I've got the duo, the duo Andrew and Drake that cover the Indianapolis Colts for Fans First Sports Network. They're going to be up in the first half. In the second half, we're going to have Obviously, you know what happens on Fridays. It's it's Jerome Betts. It's Jeremy Jerome Betts in the All Bets Are Off segment where we are going to talk about predictions. We're going to talk about the AFC North, the AFC playoff picture. We'll go run down the injury report, all that great stuff. And then make sure you stay till the very end for a heart-to-heart. I've got a lot of stuff to get off my chest there, so make sure you stay tuned. We'll be right back. After this break, we go behind enemy lines. Stay tuned. All right, Steeler fans, it is Friday, and that means it's time for behind enemy lines, where we go behind enemy lines to talk about the upcoming opponent. This time is a Saturday game. That sounds really weird. Steelers Colts in Indianapolis. Last time the Colts beat the Steelers was in two thousand and eight. For those keeping score at home, and with me, I bring in two people from our Horseshoe Huddle podcast, Andrew Moore. Andrew, go ahead and introduce yourself. How's it going?
1: Hi, it's great to be here, Jeff. It's uh, it's it's going to be a very Fun matchup between these two teams on Saturday, like you said. Since two thousand and eight, I think I was in uh, eighth grade, maybe oh, the last oh, time.
0: Don't say that; you make me feel
1: so damn old. I mean, two thousand and eight, Peyton oh, Manning was, was <laughs> Peyton Manning was still the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I was a eighth grade, just uh, just uh, really taking in uh, the full fandom of being thirteen year old, just loving watching Peyton Manning. But a uh, lot on the line on Sunday. It's going to be a fun time, or Saturday. It's going to be a fun time.
0: Gosh, 2008, when they lost, my wife was pregnant with our first child, I think. This is insane. Stop talking about this eighth grade crap, but let's bring in Drake. What's up, Drake? How are you?
2: Oh, man, I'm uh, I'm great. And I, I'm right there with Andrew. It's going to be it's going to be a, a game that I think um, I think is riding on pretty much playoff contention. I mean, whoever wins the game is going to have a leg up. And, you know, the Colts, I think, definitely are coming off of a major, major uh, loss where you lose by 20 points, but somehow still find themselves in the seventh seed. So uh, right there with Andrew, you know, I, I think it's it's pivotal for both these teams to win and both teams are walking in with backup quarterbacks as well. So it should be really interesting. Absolutely. And so the Steelers benefited greatly from the Colts losing last week to the Bengals
0: and it kept the Steelers in that top seven uh, bracket spot, whatever you want to call it outside of the fringe. And that's where you want to be at this time of year. Let's talk about the quarterback position. Both have backup quarterbacks going into this game. Mitch Trubisky, Minshew Mania and Gardner Minshew. Minshew has been the starter, though, for the vast majority of the year have have there been any glaring weaknesses in his game that you've noticed? I mean, Anthony Richardson is an athletic freak, and that's such a different offense when he's in the lineup compared to now. What do we see? And, Andrew, we'll start with you.
1: The biggest thing that that I think we've noticed from Gardner Minshew this year is just he hasn't handled pressure very well. And that's not the norm for Gardner Minshew if you look at past seasons. You know, he he typically gets the ball out quickly. He The pressure doesn't really affect him. He doesn't turn the ball over too much. But it's been a lot different this year. It seems like the, the pressure is is getting to him. He seems very skittish back there in the pocket. Sometimes at some points in the game, you, he starts to see ghosts, starts to feel the pressure before it's even there. And and he certainly had a, uh, uh, his fair share of turnovers this year. So it's it's been different. But at the same time, he's been able to keep the offense afloat for, for much of the season when Colts fans thought everything was all doom and gloom as soon as number five went down in week five. Five, but the, the surprisingly, the Colts find themselves in the thick of the AFC playoff race. And I, I don't think many other quarterbacks uh would have been able to be thrown into this situation and keep the team afloat like Gardner Minshew has done. Very high-level backup that the Colts have had this year.
0: Now, Drake, I'm gonna throw it over to you. Obviously, Andrew talks about how him not dealing with pressure. This then leads me to ask a question about the offensive line and pass protection. How has that been holding up for the Colts this year? Because clearly the Steelers M.O. is going to be pressure the quarterback, and we want to force him into mistakes. They take the ball away. They have a very good differential in terms of turnovers. Uh, Drake, how's the offensive line and pass protection holding up for Andy?
2: You know, I think they've actually been I, – I think they've been fine. Uh, I think that a big issue with Gardner Minshew's pressure is that, first off, it's kind of interesting. He sees – it's almost like he just feels – he feels ghost pressure. I mean, there's there's – it's been documented. It's been seen that, like, there's times where he just feels the pocket collapsing a little sooner than what he – than what it actually is. not a great example is against the Bengals. I mean, most of the game they were rushing, like, four guys. I mean, and, and there wasn't a lot of pressure – getting to Minshew outside of Hutchinson so um, I, I think that that along with another huge thing is Richardson can absolutely rocket the football down the field pretty much with no effort at all and so Minshew's limitations as a downfield passer I think Alec Pierce maybe just needed more time with Richardson but he's He's not able to get the ball downfield, I think, as much or as accurately, and I just don't think he's a big high risk quarterback either. So that's affected the offense too. But like Andrew said, hey, he's played he's played better than a lot of people expected. The team's playing better than a lot of people expected, and hey, you know he's he's still been able to right the ship at times. And they're seven and six, so you can't really ask for much more from a backup. Now, Jonathan Taylor, obviously, is another
0: big name guy was in the all the headlines to the start of the season with the holdout, then he gets a new contract. But the thumb it is a thumb, correct? Like he had surgery on his thumb. Is he going to be in the lineup? I know he missed practice on Tuesday. I have not looked at the injury report yet. Uh, what's the status of Jonathan Taylor coming into this weekend?
1: I don't think he's going to play. Uh, I mean, he he's just there. He's not there quite yet. Hasn't practiced all week. The the feeling within the building, it doesn't seem like he's going to go this week. And the, the biggest thing is t- its it may seem weird that a, a running back is held out because of a thumb injury. But when it comes down to ball security, I mean, that's thats yeah. crucial, you know, and, and a lot of people, when, when you first think about that, you don't you, or think about a thumb injury, don't really that doesn't really hit you until you're like, okay, now I get it. So the Colts want to make sure that Jonathan Taylor is 100% healthy before he returns, especially with, with part of the reason there was a holdout and part of the reason they had lost some trust between the two sides, Jonathan Taylor and the Colts, is because last year, Jonathan Taylor felt like the Colts rushed him back too soon. With that ankle injury, and it end up and it end up becoming worse than than it was originally was. So, again, the Colts are just taking everything everything with uh, with erring on the side of caution. Want to make sure Jonathan Taylor is one hundred percent. Want to make sure he can protect and handle the ball. And and when you have Zach Moss, who has performed pretty admirably this year, when Jonathan Taylor has been out, there's not really a reason to rush Taylor back. So the Colts feel very confident in Zach Moss that he can handle those running back duties. Uh, because he's done so well this year as that number two and and honestly the lead back for most of the 2023 season.
0: Yeah, and you want to keep Jonathan Taylor happy, so you don't want to rush him back again for the second straight year. Now, Drake, give me a player on the offensive side of the ball that the casual NFL fan is not going to know about, but could have an impact in this game. You know, I mean, you bring up some of these names, even Zach Moss, Gardner Minshew. obviously people know those people because if you just watch highlight packages, you're going to hear them talk about them. Is there any player on the offense that you're like, you might not know who this guy is, but he might be making some plays on Saturday.
2: You know, uh, it's a guy that I've become a recent, uh, recently a huge fan of, but always was when he got drafted. And that's Will Mallory, uh, tight end Will Mallory. He actually had the most catches of any tight end in a single game against the Bengals. And that was a game where Minshew just couldn't find anybody it seems. So um, I, I think that he's emerging as an incredibly fast option. I think that he's really fitting Shane Steichen's offense. Well, he's got like 120 snaps and he's second on the, on the, you know, or second out of the Colts tight ends and catches. And, I mean, Granson, I think, is number one. He just tripled the snaps. So I, I think that you're seeing Will Mallory maybe get a little bit more factored into this offense. Don't be surprised if you see at least, I don't know, about five catches, but you're probably going to see three or four catches again uh, just because I haven't really seen much else from the rest of the tight ends. So he's, he's number 86. He's a name that I promise you outside of uh, Colts nation or the people that cover the team like me and Andrew. A lot of people probably don't even know that name if I say it. So uh, that's something that's someone for me to watch out for. Considering the inside linebacker
0: issues the Steelers are having currently, they're top three. They have one and he's banged up and that's uh, Landon Roberts with a groin injury. Bill Belichick gave a blueprint. You can attack the middle of the field, put the stress on the inside linebackers, use your running back in the flat, stress those position players and Mallory might be a name that Steeler fans hear a little too much than they would like. That's a good name. I like that, Drake. Andrew, let's go back to you. I want to talk about the defense. The, the Colts are the team, and organizationally speaking, you go back to 2008, those great Colt teams with Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne, no one really talked about the defense that much, and they had a great defense with Wright Freeney and all those tremendous Bob Sanders back in the back half. They had really good players, but it just was always about the offense. It was always about the offense. I feel like the Colts' defense this year – while every defense has their weaknesses, is a pretty good unit that's not getting discussed. What are the things they do they do really, really well this year?
1: One of the things that I think has been maybe surprising, a lot of people didn't expect this out of their group is they' rushed the passer pretty well. Uh, I, I say that coming off performance against the Cincinnati Bengals, where they failed to get much pressure uh, on Jake Browning, but the Colts with four games remaining are only four sacks away from breaking the franchise record for sacks in a season. They have 42 this year in the top five in the NFL. The franchise record is 46, and that's with... Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis yeah. absolutely dominating opposing offensive lines so it's it's Ben Samson Ebucom the the free agent signing from the 49ers who has doubled his his career uh has doubled his career high in sacks he has eight quitty pay starting to make that that year three leap seven and a half sacks you're always going to talk about Force Buckner one of the who I think is very still still very underrated in terms of D- top defensive tackles. You talk about the guys like Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, uh, Cam Hayward, who I think is is also goes in that category of being underrated. DeForest Buckner's right there with those guys. And then Dio Dangbo, six and a half sacks, another third year pass rusher. So you don't have a, a T.J. Watt who's got like 14, 15 sacks, but you have it's, they do a really good job of, of rushing the passer as a unit and getting consistent pressure on the quarterback. And a lot of times they do that with just four guys. Gus Brad Bradley does not like to blitz very often. Nate Ollie, defensive line coach, has done a really good job with these guys uh, in that attacking front. So they love to get after the quarterback. And, and with such a young secondary that the Colts have, that's crucial to their success because you don't want to leave those young cornerbacks out there on an island for five and six seconds. The, the opposing quarterback is going to pick you apart. So a big, big key to the success of the Colts is when they get pressure on the quarterback, usually you're looking at a good day for the defense.
0: I mean, if, if they watched the tape from Thursday Night Football with the Patriots and Steelers, you would see that Bill Belichick, I mean, he is a defensive mastermind. I can't stand the guy, but he is a really good football coach. He was rushing three and blitzing like two, a safety and a corner off the edge really confused the hell out of the Steelers. So when you say they don't blitz a lot, I'm like, well, they might want to think about that because Mitch Trubisky was befuddled by that more than one occasion. They had free runners at the quarterback a lot because when you had, you basically had two free rushers with only the running back. You have to pick one. The other one's going to disrupt the play. So maybe they would uh, think about mixing that up. But, Drake, I want to throw it to you. What's what's the weakness of the defense? Well, what's the area that they really struggle to handle opposing offenses?
2: So, you know, I, I it might be easy to go this route, but it's also true. I think that their secondary, I said to Kenny Moore, the second, I, I still think that while they've played admirably, uh, they came into this season as one of the one of the weaker uh, rooms in the NFL. And I just think that they still have a lot of room to grow. So I, I do think that they are an exploitable uh, secondary, but they're also in some ways coming into their own, you know, seventh rounder, like Jalen Jones, he's, he's essentially out there covering guys like DeAndre Hopkins, guys like, you know, uh, uh Jamar chase. I mean, he's, he's a seventh rounder and, and he's playing smothering type of coverage. So there's, there's upside, but it's, it's yeah. definitely the secondary, but I also have to say recently it's been tackling Uh the, the Colts have the Colts especially against the Bengals I even said it Joe Mixon looked like 2020 Derrick Henry at times I'm not saying the man can't run the football but I mean there were times where they were just whiffing tackles so that has to change because there's anybody in the NFL uh, that can make you miss you know a couple tackles and they can just take to the house especially a guy like Deontay Johnson or if you're missing tackles on Najee Harris he's huge so he's yeah. going to wear you down throughout the game so got to shore up that tackling. Really interesting stuff.
0: Now, this is the part of the segment where I like to go and talk about the line and the total and get your thoughts on how the game's going to go. Look, you know, I've had some people say I'm not going to do a score prediction, but I'm going to tell you how I think the game's going to play out. I'm fine either way. You want to give me a number? Great. You don't? That's fine, too. The current line that I have, this is via DraftKings, is the Steelers are getting a point and a half on the road in this game. With a total of a whopping 42.5, which is skyrocketing from the 30 total that was on Thursday night football against the New England Patriots and Steelers. But Andrew, third to you first. How do you see this game playing out between these two AFC opponents?
1: I think it's going to be a, a, a game of it's going to be, it almost seems like whoever turns the ball over the the least amount's going to win. Turnovers are going to be the key because like yeah. I said, Gardner Minshew has had his fumbling issues. He's, t- he's had through more interceptions than, than is normal. And, and I think when you, when you get Mitch Trubisky in some situations where he feels like he's in trouble, you're he, he's prone to turn the ball over as well. So yeah. which, which one of these backup quarterbacks is a lesser of two evils, you know, and you, and both defenses I feel like are very opportunistic. You know, if you're going to put the ball in harm's way, usually these defenses are going to take advantage. I also think it's going to be crucial health-wise to see who's who's back. T.J. Watt did practice in full today. It looks uh, and this is Wednesday, so it looks like T.J. Watt might be available. Who knows about Alex Highsmith? Meanwhile, the Colts starting right tackle in Braden Smith did not practice for the second day in a row this week, and it doesn't look like he's going to be going, moving blake freeland the rookie right tackle out of byu to the starting right tackle position so uh it's going to be crucial but uh i i like the steelers are getting a point and a half uh i think i've i've just i think the streak breaks for some this has been a very weird season uh it's it's got and who knows leave it up to gardner minch we've had andrew luck over the years couldn't get over yeah. the hump philip rivers uh anthony richardson doesn't have that opportunity leave it to gardner Minshew to to break this streak and 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 beat the steelers i, I do think it's it's going to be a lower scoring game. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna hit, but I am gonna hit the over. Over uh, you said lines 42. I'm gonna go yeah. Colts, Colts 24, Steelers 20. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game throughout. And again, it very well could come down to within those last two to three minutes, which quarterback turns it over.
0: Wow, like the Steelers scoring 20 is an exciting day for us Steelers fans. Like, this is <laughs> remarkable. They're averaging 15 points a game. I mean, that's uh, the saying something. Hey, by the way, right before we went live. Uh, TJ Watt was cleared by an independent neurologist. He is out of the concussion protocol, so he will be in the lineup, but Alex Highsmith is now the question mark. So we'll see about that. You Mm -hmm. brought that up. I want to add that in there. Drake, same question for you, man. How do you see this thing going?
2: You know, uh, man, this is a really tough one because both both teams have backup quarterbacks. I think that both teams have glaring weaknesses on offense uh, at different areas and limitations. Now, um, at the end of the day though, uh, first off, now that TJ Watt is going to be playing, I think that especially I think Bernard Ryman's is going to have a, a a return to form type game. He really struggled against Chase Hutchinson, uh, Trey Hendrickson, or Trey Hendrickson. My bad um, last week, but I, I really do think at the end of the day TJ Watt is going to disrupt things. I think that the over I, I I'm right there with Andrew. I do think the Colts get this, but I'm going to go even closer. I think that it's going to be 23 to 21, and the closing seconds are like. Really close to the end of the game, and it's gonna be on Matt Gay's leg to wow to, to win the game. And I think he's gonna do it because he also, like the rest of the team, just couldn't do anything last week. Missed a field goal, missed an extra point or missed an extra point too. So uh, but at the end of the day, I'm right there with Andrew also on whoever turns the ball over the least. I think uh, is, is probably gonna prevail. And both these quarterbacks don't exactly do well with pressure. Um so It'll be interesting because guys like, I mean, it's Minka Fitzpatrick. There's, there's yeah. uh, Joey. Uh, uh, is it Joey Porter? Yeah, Joey po- yeah. Porter Junior. And uh, you know, and then of course TJ Watt. Guys like that, man. Anything can happen <laughs> if you get pressure on Gardner Minshew with playmakers like that.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, we don't really talk this game up. I think it's going to be an entertaining game. I think this is a game yeah. it's going to be a national television. I, th- I think that this will be. You have two seven and six teams that are really their, their playoff hopes and aspirations are hanging on this one. And so I think there's that added playoff atmosphere. I think Indy will be bumping that they'll have Lucas oil just really loud. I don't know if they're going to be pumping in music like they used to when Tony Dungy was there, but still we (laughs) won't go down that road, but no gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, joining me. I want to give you a chance to plug both your social media and what you're doing with the horseshoe huddle. Andrew, we'll start with you.
1: Yeah, you can follow me on X at Andrew Moore NFL. And then of course, uh, if you want to hear more Colts, Drake and I every Monday and Thursday night live on the Horseshoe Huddle YouTube channel. Uh, and then we also uh, have, of course, courtesy of fans for Sports Network uh, are on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts. We have weekly audio podcasts on there as well. So make sure you check it out. Plus our written work uh, for Fan Nation on SI.com at HorseshoeHuddle.com. Perfect.
0: Drake, go ahead and you plug your stuff, too.
2: Yeah, pretty much everything Andrew said, only um, I'm on I'm on X at uh, D Walster Drake. And uh, like Andrew said, go to Colts on FN on Twitter and uh, the Horseshoe Huddle uh on fan nation um there's a lot of stuff happening even though this team has a backup quarterback and a first year head coach boy they've uh you know been able to squeak out some wins where they mattered and they're right there in playoff contention so come check our workout. there's a lot to talk about
0: check out that podcast platform Steeler fans whether you want to hear them boasting or maybe crying after the game on saturday we'll see either way <laughs> but nonetheless check them out gentlemen thank you very much for taking the time i do appreciate it have a good one enjoy the game Bueller fans, it is Friday. It's the second half of the Let's Ride podcast with me. It's time for the All Bets Are Off segment with Jeremy Jerome Betts. Jerome, what's going on, man?
3: And man, it feels like a long time since we've done this Thursday night yeah. football last week. So it's been a couple weeks, and I'm I miss this segment when we don't get a chance to do it so let's do it man
0: yeah and it's a, it's a chance to decompress after those five days yeah. like that was a tough five day span so let's well we, we're not going to talk about that we're just going to move on but you <laughs> want to bring up something you brought right before we hit the record button um yeah. the nfl announced that next year they're going to have a game i think in brazil but yes. you brought up mm-hmm. a good point about the end game for the nfl why don't you go ahead and explain that to the listeners
3: yeah so uh, this isn't like my my research or anything, but I, I was listening to a couple podcasts, uh, myself, uh, today. And one of them was the, around the NFL podcast with, uh, from the NFL, um, station. And, uh, they were talking about, um, now there's going to be in 2025 as, as early as 2025, there's going to be, uh, nine weeks of international games. And the end goal kind of seems like it's, it's leading towards that. The NFL actually wants to kind of, dominate the nine o'clock 9 30 a.m slot on Sundays and add a game there as well so there's literally football from 9 a.m to uh 12 p.m if you're on the east Coast uh, with with uh starting with the international games so they're looking to start doing this maybe even every week if they can add enough venues and countries and teams that are willing to do it and so that just uh, is to me is interesting the NFL always expanding and they're kind of targeting maybe instead of another night game during the week, um, which would mess with other sports, uh, getting out there at, at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning and kind of making that their domination zone. And it seems to be working so far as far as these international games. They get a lot of viewership in that early window there.
0: They do, and the only competition is soccer. Like To be yeah. honest with you, you talk about Premier League soccer. That's normally early on Sunday and, and on Saturday mornings. Most times Saturday, I think. But still, hey, the NFL, is they are a cash cow. And that's what yeah. people need to realize. They do not care about competitive advantages or disadvantages Thursday night football is obviously a thing now, and it's not going away even though the games are always awful. It seems like injuries run rampant in those games and yet they don't care. They do not care. So mm-hmm. I'm not shocked. I, I I said this to you before we started recording. I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers will be in Ireland before they're yeah. in Mexico, but I wouldn't be surprised. I know that the stadium in Mexico city had to have a lot of renovations done to it. They, that was where yeah. that insane Rams with Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes game was right. where they went like they both I think final score was like 47 44 something insane it and was uh, it was 53 to 51 it was the well, first, even, first even game better. where both teams
3: went over 50 <laughs>
0: <laughs> even better who who wants yeah. defense anyways that game yeah. was in Mexico that was the last game I think down there before they had to do that so we'll see that's interesting it's an interesting talking point there's a lot to talk about though about the Steelers this year with this upcoming game and this is a strange This is strange for us because normally we only have the Thursday practice report to go off of because they're playing on Saturday, Thursday. And actually, it'll be the same next week because I think they play the Bengals on Saturday as well in week 16. So uh, this was this. This will be two weeks in a row. We'll have the game status before we record. And so here we go. The game status for the Steelers has changed a little bit since this was announced. Kenny Pickett's out. We knew that with his ankle injury. Uh, Isaac Samalo is questionable with a shoulder injury. He did not practice at all this week, so we'll see what happens there. But Alex Highsmith on the initial game status report was listed as questionable, and then probably about 15 to 20 minutes later, Burt Lawton of the Steelers PR team released that an independent neurologist cleared Alex Highsmith of the concussion protocol. Therefore, he no longer has a game status, so he and T.J. Watt are playing. That means that this is a very healthy Steelers team for Week 15 only mm-hmm. having say on the, on the docket as questionable. Um, let's go to, stitch. talk about that first. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, it is. It is kind of crazy to me. And it's well documented
3: now, uh, at least among Steelers fans, the whole TJ Watt concussion situation over the course of last week, we don't need to dive into that too much, but the fact that both um, Highsmith and, and Watt cleared concussion protocol in the week that, that they originally had the injury is big news and I think it goes to show that mini bye week uh, when you play Thursday night is really yeah. the the reason why um, it, it's okay, <laughs> you know, to, yeah. to have played on Thursday night, and you want to leave Thursday night with a win. But now these guys get a couple of extra days rest, and I think that that plays a huge spot. If the Steelers had played that game on Sunday, I don't think either of these two guys yep. are playing it, uh, on Saturday against the Colts, and you leave uh, and you go to Indianapolis very shorthanded on defense with all the injuries to the middle linebacker position. Um, I don't know, Jeff, how concerned you would be about the Ciamolo injury. I, I feel like the the strength of of the offensive line has kind of um, moved over to the right side with with Broderick Jones there as far as the run game goes. Uh, you do like what Ciamalo brings to the table, but I, I don't know if there's going to be a huge drop-off if he doesn't play uh, this week as far as offensive line play goes. But it is something to watch. Obviously, continuity along the offensive line, as far as communication, is is probably the biggest reason. I would say it would be better if he ends up making it to, to yeah. where he can play than Nate Herbig. But as far as production goes, I think the Steelers can still do what they want to do on the ground and through the air. Um, if if Nate Herbig is the one stepping in uh, for Sam this week,
0: yeah, that's going to be interesting. I I don't I love it, Isaac Samalu, but if he's banged up. Yeah. You got to hope that you can handle your business in Indianapolis and you got to hope that you can get him back for maybe week 16, but it's got to be bothering him pretty bad. If he didn't practice mm-hmm. at all off the coming off of the mini buy, I will say this. You were right. TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith would not have cleared. It's a numbers game. And look when TJ Watt was cleared, it was, it was on Wednesday, that that would not have lined up with him being able to play mm-hmm. on a regular Sunday if it was a Sunday to Sunday, especially when he didn't report symptoms until Friday. And that's when he enters the protocol. I will say this about TJ Watt, and you can go ahead and chime in as well. TJ Watt, um, you know, he spoke to the media on Thursday, and mm-hmm. they asked him about the visor, and he goes, I'm not going to go into that. So that's fishy, first and foremost. Like He could have yeah. just said, something flew in my eye, and that that's why I wore it. He could have lied. Who the hell cares? Uh, but nonetheless, he didn't. He said, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but he talked about how he was checked immediately when he left the field Mm -hmm. because after that first play, he was down. Like they, they had to get him off the field. It wasn't one of those where he's hopped up and they're, they're stopping play and they're having the neurologist call him over. Like it wasn't that, but he did get checked by the doctors in the blue tent Mm -hmm. and he was checked again later in the game. And that's when he came back with a visor on. So if this is an issue, it can't be with the Steelers. Like it's gotta be with that independent neurologist. That's doing these checks on the sideline. They cleared him to go back in, and so I, that's just my take. Like, a lot of people want to say that the Steelers are trying to skirt the rules. I don't see it that way. What's your take, yeah. Jeremy?
3: Yeah, concussions are are way different than um, some of the other injuries. Like Like everybody was getting on the Bengals for the Joe Burrow wrist injury mm-hmm. because that's something they have to self-report. But concussions, right. it's totally different. You've got independent neurologists, like you're saying, you've got – I mean, you've got Sky neurologists, right? We mm-hmm. all talk about the Sky referee. You've got somebody in the booth watching uh, replays and things like that to try to determine if somebody um, could have potentially, not not even like definitely, but potentially sustained a concussion on a play and then they make the call down to the field. Um, so, yeah, this, this has got to be one of those things where um, I, I, I don't know. You know, you'd have to get into some real deep, dark conspiracy stuff to blame this on the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. like they're paying off the independent neurologist or something like that. And I'm not <laughs> suggesting that. I'm just saying that's how deep you'd have to go with this to yeah. make it to make it be on Pittsburgh. So, yeah, it's a little fishy the way guys are talking about it. Mike Tomlin saying, you know, I'm not aware of it or, uh, you know, or I would I assume he was checked. It's kind of fishy in the in the verbiage that you're hearing. But overall it's not it's not the same as any other injury so uh TJ Watt making it back though for the Pittsburgh Steelers and what they're trying to do this week against Gardner Minshew and the Colts is a huge
0: deal well let's let's remember a couple things about concussions so unless it's a really bad hit and a player mm-hmm. is unconscious okay so if they are literally out like you can tell that they're out they've got some of that The rigidness in their hands and arms we saw Mm -hmm. with Tua last year, it's really scary. Like, what if that happens? Then immediately you know, okay, there's something going on. We need to make sure, like, even if the player says he's fine, then it's one of those things where you're like, okay, you're not fine. But unless you can see, there's very few visible tells. So, one of it is actually in the eyes. If you have a player track the eye, the uh, your finger, and when you take the When you see them follow it, well, if they can't follow it, that's a problem. (laughs) If they follow it into the corner of their eye, you'll see the pupil like really start to jog back and forth. It looks crazy. And then you know, like, okay, you know. But everything else is going to be dependent on the player being honest. Hey, TJ, are you dizzy? No. Blurred vision? No. Lights up there, if you look in the lights, does it really hurt your eyes? Does it cause a headache? No, it could be killing him to look in the lights and that's why he needs a visor, but he's got to say, look, like uh, he has to be honest about it. And that's why a lot of people said, you know, Heinz Ward, he came out. I remember when he was playing and said, look, I'm just, I'm going to lie to these people because I'm not going to come out of the game. And yet people like Ben Roethlisberger in Seattle when he pulled himself out of the game because he had concussion like symptoms. I'm not going to blame anyone, but people have to remember that that these players are still tough guys at least yeah. in their mind and they're they're not going to want to pull themselves out of the game I don't want to spend too much yeah. time on this because we could what, do a whole segment but sure. go ahead
3: one more one other thing I wanted to mention about this is we have to take into account that he took a knee right to the face yes. right <laughs> so maybe maybe the knee cracked the visor and he just needed a replacement visor and all they he had didn't have a visor a on visor. early in the game he didn't have a visor on no. oh, okay he never I wears he, one in the game i thought he, he had
0: he wears a clear warm-ups. visor on he wears it okay. warm-ups and he wears one. Sometimes he said, um, yeah, that's really practice. He'll wear him in practice. He okay. never I wears one during that. the yeah. game. So, yeah, you. it's it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. very strange. <laughs> Let's go to the Colts injury report real quick. Their yeah. game status is as follows. Linebacker, I guess, it's, is it Sagun Alubi. I don't know. He's uh, yes. questionable with a hip. Like Offensive tackle Braden Smith with a knee is out. And so is Jonathan Taylor, who's not ready yeah. to come back from that thumb injury. I know that the tackle situation in the first half, my behind enemy line segment, uh, the two guys that do the ho- the uh, horseshoe huddle, which covers the fans for, for fans for Sports Network, cover the Colts. They were concerned about the tackles mm-hmm. position in TJ Watt when I I informed them that hey TJ Watt's been cleared. They're like, oh okay, that changes <laughs> yeah. things a little bit. So, what's your thought on that?
3: Yeah, that, it's it's not great for them. Obviously, you they they're losing or they're going to be missing their main superstar at. And running back in Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss is definitely serviceable behind him, and we've seen him play well this this season. Fantasy managers are are very aware of how well he's played in in Taylor's absence. Um But yeah, the tackles have to be concerning, especially since this isn't one of the offenses like we've we've seen um, uh, some of the most more recent teams play, where they try to get the ball out quickly and they just try to hit targets on the move quickly and in space and, and try to just. You know, this team likes to attack downfield. They've got big bodied receivers in Michael Pittman um, and Alec Pierce. And then their one guy who can kind of beat you in the quick game is is Josh Downs, the rookie wide receiver. So you're going (coughs) to excuse me, you're going to have to lock him down. But overall, this is a drop back and and find the open guy passing game. It's not a quick rhythm passing game. So the Steelers um, edge rushers should have a chance to impact this game and that has been the kind of the thing missing in the last few weeks for this defense. I think that the pressure has not been getting home as much as they need it to. And that is affecting every other level of the defense where you're seeing the injury issues kind of start to mount up here. So I I would expect that, that this could be a game where TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith actually do take advantage of it because the Colts uh, with Gardner Minshew, they're not just going to be changing game plans Uh, on the fly uh, every week you know this is going to be the same type of offense every week and and so I think that the Steelers if they can shut down the run and get after the pass rusher that they have a really good chance in the offensive tackle situation for the Colts uh, those guys uh, should be pretty concerned with TJ Watt and Alex back healthy
0: absolutely and you know Zach Moss is a really good back still he put up some tremendous numbers early in the season when Jonathan Taylor was dealing with a well, he was a holdout, and then the contract disputes, and then he finally comes back. Zach Moss lit it up during that yeah, time. So the Steeler fans shouldn't be like, oh, we're playing a backup. Like, this guy's a good running back as well. Steelers are going to have their hands full. Hey, let's talk about some game picks for the AFC North, and then we'll talk about the Steelers' prediction here. Saturday at 1 o'clock, the yeah. Minnesota Vikings and Cincinnati Bengals will be the precursor to Steelers' Colts at 4.30. What do you think about this game? This is going to be played in Cincinnati. Uh, mm-hmm. Joshua Dobbs, poor Joshua Dobbs has now been relegated to third string dude. I said it before. Yeah. I'll say it again. He's a spark plug. He's not a starting quarterback. Right. And, uh, so he's going to give you a spark from time to time, but he's not going to be that consistent guy. Nick Mullins, I believe is the starting quarterback yep. for Minnesota is the Jake Browning. Uh, you know, he's going to go up against Brian Flores who that defense in Minnesota is still pretty darn good. And he's a good coordinator. Are they gonna stymie Browning and the Bengals and give him a loss, or is this gonna be a Cincinnati resurgence and they're gonna to move to eight and six?
3: Yeah, this is a this is a tough uh matchup for Browning and, and company, but it's also a tough matchup for um the Vikings because of the quarterback situation. I know they're gonna be getting Justin Jefferson back for this game. He is gonna play, even though he had the chest injury this last week. So that definitely helps. You saw their offense really just just stop. Uh, doing anything good when he left the field this last week and Mullins was under center, so uh, it's going to be tough for the Vikings to hold on and win this game for context purposes. The Vikings, even if they lose, would still own the rights to the seventh seed in the NFC. The Bengals absolutely need this game to stay in the race. So, as far as who wants it more, you probably got to give it to the Bengals, but um it's going to be a tough game for both sides. I do think the Bengals win a close, low scoring game though. um, And it's not going to be the offensive fireworks we've seen from Browning and the Bengals in the
0: last few weeks. Jamar chase versus Justin Jefferson. Uh, It's going to be a fun one, but Jamar chase only had like 39 yards receiving in their win last week against Indianapolis. Um, I like the Vikings here. I think that Browning going up against good defenses, he has struggled. Mm -hmm. Think about who he's played against at Steelers. He didn't do much against them. He did rebound as back-to-back wins, but I'll tell you what, Brian Flores is going to have a plan for this guy, and we'll see how he does. I think that the Bengals have been playing with house money for a little bit, and sometimes that house money runs out, and so I think that happens, (laughs) and I think Minnesota wins. I agree. It's going to be close. I think it's going to be low scoring, but I'll take the Vikings maybe on a last-second field goal. Now we talk about the Cleveland Browns. They are playing the Chicago Bears in Cleveland Joe Flacco of all people is the guy yep. that everyone's talking about in Cleveland, but the bears are coming off a big win at home against the Detroit lions. They are showing they are capable. Justin Fields is a, well, he's not for everyone. I'll say it that way, but he is a very dynamic player and he can run the ball well. And when he's on it, they are moving the ball in chunks. What do you think about this game?
3: The bears, I think have won four of six or something like that. Yeah, they've in, turned in it around. Re- they have been playing pretty well. And, um, I don't know. I don't know why, Jeff. I, I I was going into this this game just thinking of, of between the two teams, really thinking that the Browns are going to win it. But as the week's gone on and looking at what Chicago did last week, um, I really think the Bears have a good chance of coming into Cleveland and winning this ball game. The Bears defense has been playing a lot better. Um, everybody's favorite non stealer cornerback, Jalen Johnson, because uh, he almost mm-hmm. became a yeah. a, a Steeler um by all reports is playing out of his mind and they're getting pass rush up front um joe flacco we saw him on some of the rollouts he was escaping some pressure but he still looks lumbering when he does it i don't (laughs) know how long this season he can keep doing that um and how long it's gonna the luck of the browns is gonna hold out i'll give kevin stefanski this he's calling a really good good Mm -hmm. uh season for his offense despite all the quarterback ups and downs and every quarterback. Uh, that they've started has looked better than Deshaun Watson at points <laughs> this yep. season. So um, I wouldn't put it past them to to run away this, with this game, but I really like Chicago actually uh, keeping it close and and winning this game even outright. Uh, I think they have a chance to do that. So that's probably what I would pick this week is the upset for the Bears.
0: Yeah. So this is, again, when I, when I look at trends in the national football league, you have a backup quarterbacks to come in. They'll typically have a, a little bit of success. It depends on if they're a veteran or not. So Joe, Joe Flacco has obviously seen a lot. And so yep. they have a different style of offense with Joe Flacco, a quarterback than they had with PJ Walker, DTR, and even Deshaun Watson. I think this is when defensive coordinators start to have some film on Joe Flacco, what they're yep. trying to do. I think it catches up with them. I'm going to take Chicago. Is that a homer pick? You bet it is. I want the Browns to lose. Okay, now let's go to the, I'm sorry, Sunday night. Ravens, Jaguars, Jags are coming off the loss to Cleveland. This is in Jacksonville. The Ravens are coming off of a really exciting game against the LA Rams with that dramatic overtime punt return touchdown walk-off win. Mm -hmm. The Ravens, with a win, they probably do. They already have a stranglehold on the number one seed, but they've got a tough road ahead. What do you think about this game in, in Jacksonville?
3: this is a tough one because i think um after this week the ravens have the 49ers um and so Mm -hmm. that that could be a potential look ahead situation as well Uh, if you're talking about the best of the nfc against the best of the of the afc those that would be a matchup between two number one seeds as it currently stands so maybe jacksonville kind of sneaks one in here um and their quarterback's playing well trevor lawrence is still playing really good football i know that they lost to cleveland last week their defense kind of fell off. Um, I think this one's going to be close, but I am going to pick the Ravens to win. And I think they've just got something going right now. Uh, that defense for Baltimore is really legit too. Um, they just, the they, the Rams are, are a really good team that the, the the Ravens played last week with a bad record um, because they started out slow and they're now healthy and, and really getting going. Um, so that's a really good offense. I don't think the Jaguars are quite there on offense. They do things a little different. And rely more on their running game, so I think the Ravens can kind of they, they can win this one. Uh, I think it'll actually be a a, a decent scoring game as well uh, in the mid upper twenties, maybe even in the thirties for both teams.
0: Um, and but the Ravens kind of win in a shootout here. I agree with you. I think the Ravens win this game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is banged up. Uh, that ankle was obviously bothering him in Cleveland. Sometimes those last a couple weeks, uh, unless unless Baltimore turns it over a ton, which they can, Lamar has had those games before, whether it's fumbles, mm-hmm. interceptions, then I think that the, uh, I, I can see the Baltimore Ravens going away with this one. But let's also talk about the game that everyone cares about or the only game that people care about, and that's Steelers yep. at Colts. As of right now, Pittsburgh Steelers are getting one and a half points with a total of forty-two and a half. Jeremy, what's your score prediction? How do you see this game going? This is, this one I've been back and forth on all week long.
3: And uh, there's just something about this Colts team that they kind of play ugly too, like the Steelers mm-hmm. do and still find a way to put up points and, and yards and win uh in a, in a way that the Steelers haven't been able to the last few weeks. But something just tells me that this pass rush duo for the Steelers is is ready to to go off and that there's just enough anger in this building in the Steelers building uh, especially on the defensive side that they're ready to take it out on somebody. And I would not want to be a Colts offensive lineman this week. I think that they're going to get, get absolutely 110% from each of these guys along the front front four there, uh, especially off the edge. So I'm going to say that the Steelers defense makes a splash play this week. Uh, one that they haven't been able to get the last few weeks Um, that, that turns this game on its head and the offense Runs the ball a lot better, and Trubisky doesn't have to save them, and so that they win this game, a very close one. My final score prediction is going to be nineteen to sixteen Steelers in a low-scoring field goal fest Mm. (laughs) in Indianapolis.
0: (laughs) Sounds like fun. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So for me, uh, the the Steelers haven't lost to the Colts since two thousand eight. The last time they lost to the Colts, Peyton Manning was the quarterback. And uh, that was at Heinz Field. Yes, it was Heinz Field then. And so I was thinking about this. and like, You know, the Colts guys in the first half, they they say the streak ends. Um, when I got off the call with him, when we recorded that segment, they were talking about Shane Steichen's offense has only been held off of 20 points two times this season. Mm-hmm. Like They actually do put up a lot of points. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, that might sway my pick a little bit, or at least my score, and it did. I have the final score, Pittsburgh 21. Indianapolis 20 Steelers there win by go. one just on the under of that 42 and a half, which definitely jives with what they're predicting in that regard. Mm-hmm. So I have the Steelers winning 2120. This is a typical, in my opinion, unless things have changed so dramatically that we can't get a feel for this anymore. This is your typical Mike Tomlin finds a way to win game. You know, like yeah. you've lost two in a row. Everyone's given up hope and you find a way to win and you keep your hopes alive and you're eight and six and everyone's feeling good going into that home game against the Bengals, the regular season home finale. So we shall see. All right, Jeremy, do you have uh the fantasy game of the week this week? I, I do. And it's actually
3: the very last game of the week and it's nice Philadelphia and Seattle on Monday oh, night yeah. football. These two defenses are, are not playing very good in the secondary and um, both passing offenses have been playing very well. Um, so I think that DK Metcalf and Geno Smith and and this passing offense for, for the Seahawks could really get going against the Eagles. Uh, and it's gonna kind of end up being a shootout on Monday night for a desperate Seattle team. They've got to win ball games or they're gonna miss out on the playoffs. They're very desperate. And the Eagles are are struggling a little bit. So uh we'll see how it goes. But I think this is a shootout game, and I think that it works very well for fantasy purposes. Fantasy playoffs started in most leagues this week as well so um if you've got eagles or seahawks players i think you're in for a big week in fantasy
0: very good jeremy as always thank you go ahead and tell people where they can find you on twitter so they can follow you
3: yeah follow me on twix uh at the bets 93 t-h-e-b-e-t-z nine three we'll be doing the steelers Q and a on Sunday night again this week, since the Steelers okay. play on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so be tuned in for that. And then Andrew O'Barr and myself on the Steelers fix on Tuesday. Check it out.
0: Love it. Perfect. Jeremy, thanks for your time. As always. We'll talk next week. Have a good one. Jeff. All right. A big thanks to Jeremy for taking the time as he always does every single Friday. It's appreciated. He's a trooper. He puts up with me every single week. So I do thank him for that. Let's finish this show up. Like we always do with a heart to heart. This week is a little bit different. You know, normally sometimes the heart to hearts are personal stories, or we've got, you know, the holidays coming up. I'll talk about that in the coming weeks. But today I want to talk about these former players that are just going on every single radio station, every single podcast, doing whatever they can to almost badmouth this current team. You know, you got Ben Roethlisberger. He's making comments on footballing with Ben about how, oh, maybe the Steelers' tradition is gone. You've got situations where, it really just does kind of rub me the wrong way. Chris Hoke, Merrill Hodge, Brian uh, Clark, obviously on ESPN. It just kind of, I don't know, to me, it cheapens the Steelers lore that is the past. You know, Rocky Blyer has been very vocal on his social media channels. It's like, Okay, you all were part of something very, very special. You all were also part of something that a lot of people never get to experience in their entire careers. And I'm not saying they can't condemn the team or they can't be critical of the team. I'm not suggesting that at all. But I think sometimes there is there is that age-old saying, like, hey, do we want to kick this person when they're down? Do we want to beat a dead horse? For the last two weeks, you don't have to look far to find someone that's bad-mouthing the Steelers, fans, media, everyone. Because they lost to back-to-back games to two-win teams, Arizona Cardinals in Week 13, New England Patriots in Week 13. 14, it just happened to be in a five-day span. It was bad. These players are numb to it, I think, at this point. And so that's why when I wrote the article for sealcurtainnetwork.com on Thursday, it was, it's just falling on deaf ears. And it doesn't mean that they don't care. It's that they're kind of numb. They've been bashed the entire season since things started to go south. And even when things were going well, was they were being outgained, and they're not doing this right, and they're not doing that right. I don't blame these players for just being like, you know what? They can say whatever they want. Because they have to focus. They have to focus on this upcoming game. I hope that you're ready. I know I'm ready. I hope they turn it around. I hope they win. Keep their playoff hopes alive. Because I'm a fan and that's what I want. I want the team to win. I always want this team to win. So that's how we're going to end it. I hope you all enjoy the game. I'll be on Saturday evening with the postgame show. Myself, Brian Davis, and Dave Schofield. will all three be back. Make sure you check us out. And I'll be back on Monday with a Winners and Losers podcast Maybe that'll be on Sunday. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'll let you all know. In the meantime, stay tuned to wherever you're getting your podcast in case that that Winners and Losers podcast drops on Sunday, but it might just be on Monday. Nonetheless, here's how we finish it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Saturday. Ghost Steelers.